The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. If you have thyroid eye disease and the bags under your eyes are looking more like purses... It might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. If you like our show, you're going to love the Dan Patrick Show on Podcast One. Join the all-star sportscaster for all the excitement of March Madness as he breaks down all the plays and predicts the outcomes in this year's NCAA tournament. Download the Dan Patrick Show every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, Steve Palazzolo here. As you know, we're in the heat of one of the greatest sports events on the calendar. You guessed it, March Madness. And the place to stay on top of all the NCAA tournament coverage, that's CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans just like you and me. I watch it every day, and here's why. You don't get any of the hot takes, fake debates, and politics like other sports networks. Just the stuff that matters, like nonstop highlights, news, and analysis, no matter when I tune in. And if you enjoy playing fantasy or placing some bets like I've been known to do, their experts are always dishing out picks to help me win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, a chipper Sam Monson. Really excited to be here on a Tuesday morning. Nothing sells our listeners on, uh, you know, you and your mood all the time. You didn't respond kindly to that tweet I sent you, Sam. True. True. It says, it, I just saw it, just came across my timeline. Everybody thinks that we don't like each other. I don't know how they get that idea. <laughs> But it said the difference between radio and podcasters, essentially, that podcasters like each other. Yeah. And what did you respond when I sent that? I said, hey, CCPFF Sam, you know, that's us. We're podcasters. We like each other. Mm-hmm. And what did you send back? An emoji. You know, the middle finger. Yeah. Middle finger emoji. Yeah. Right back at me. Yeah. You like to be the exception, not the rule, apparently. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will continue to have utter disdain for each other and uh, discuss the NFL. Sweet. We're friends off camera. Friends off camera. They're not off buying air. Your, your YouTube commenter people that you so love, they're not buying that. You know, it's funny. I do, you know, I'm still keeping up, keeping tabs on all of our yeah. friends. You right? read the comments. I do. And I'd say 80% of them think it's your fault. But there's a few people that are like, man, that's Steve. Just, it's him. They think it's me. Yeah. But it's like 80 20. You it's say mostly that. you. Yeah. It feels like a selection bias kind of deal. I mean, if you want to go check my math on that, feel free to read the comments. Mm-hmm. You going to do that anytime soon? I'll certainly feel that freedom. Yeah. Anyway, uh, can we thank all of our listeners and fans real quick? Sure. Put on a smiley face for us? Uh, sure. Here's the thing. You're, you're now a senior manager over here at Pro Football Focus. You know, mm-hmm. we don't always talk about our behind-the-scenes roles, but you are pretty big-time senior manager. What, what's your role right now? What's your ultimate role? Besides being the on-air talent and, you know, uh, I'm co-face running, of the company. running the consumer side of things. So, you know, the, the oh, products that we sell. You're a salesman now. Yeah. Well, no. Other people sell. I just run it. Okay. I have people. People that sell for me. So your department that sells PFF Edge and Elite mm-hmm. is doing well. 
Yeah. We're, we're doing well. And we, I think we should, why don't you send out some thanks? Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Big week. Free agency was successful. We you know, had a ton of sales, had a ton of interest. Site traffic was as high as it's ever been. Um, all kinds of good stuff. So thank you, everybody. And we will continue to try and put stuff out there that you enjoy and want to purchase. Yeah. And then I run the YouTube side of things and all the video stuff. And we had a record week as well. So I want to say thanks to everybody who watched all of our YouTube content. We had a lot of fun putting up all the free agency stuff and you know, pushing people back to your site so they could buy some products and all that stuff, right? That mm-hmm. was good. Uh, but yeah, special thanks to all of our listeners. You guys have been great. We're setting podcast records, YouTube records, and sales, almost records type of thing. Um, well, I mean, for this time of year, right? It's not like all-time records. Okay. But for this time of year, we're doing well. So if you guys want to get in on that PFF Edge and Elite, it's over at profootballfocus.com. Is that promo code still live? To the end of this week. Okay, so right now it's, we're recording on Tuesday. NFL 2019 is the promo code. You get 25% off over at profootballfocus.com for Edge or Elite. So please go and check that out. Take advantage of the 25% off because you get 365 days of access. So why wouldn't you sign up now and you get it for the season? You get all of our fantasy tools, premium stats. 2.0 draft guides in there that's going to be updated in a couple weeks qb annuals in there we're just trying to give you guys a ton of stuff if you guys sign up yeah adding so to it. it all the time all right let's try to run through the rest of the nfl news if you guys didn't catch up last week if you're just tuning in if you're just finding us go check out last week's podcast we did three of them one bonus podcast two on free agency one on the draft and what it means for your team there's a whole bunch of content in there you guys um but our listeners really enjoyed those podcasts based off the numbers. So that was great. Uh, we've pretty much exhausted all of free agency, have we not? Yeah. We've clearly hit the period of free agency where it's still technically alive, but the only things left are the last dregs that, you know. This isn't really even wants. second wave free agency. This is like third wave. Well, it's not even a wave, right? There's like one free agency now. There are no waves of free agency. If there's there's one giant tsunami that comes in floods everything and then when it leaves there's only detritus left so that's what we're left with right now it's the flotsam and jetsam of free agency with the one bow wave having already swept everything out of the way there you go metaphorical genius again that's like it's like the one thing you do well it's great metaphors (laughs) well so who's left on the beach yeah what who and dominican sue what flotsam and jetsam is left there's an available to pick There's a up. Justin Houston. There's an Eric Berry. So those are our top three free agents remaining. Uh, the top four are all defensive players, including Zach Brown. We've got our list over at profootballfocus.com. I mean, there's a lot of big names. Ziggy Ansah, Muhammad Wilkerson, Fontes Perfect just hit free agency after getting released by my Bengals. They're not my Bengals. I maybe, maybe I would have kept them around. If, if they get hired by them. Yeah. I want that attitude on my team. Maybe. Jared Valdir is sitting out there. You know, some interesting names. Jordy Nelson, he's been out, out and about visiting people. A bunch of old guys with big names. But I think those top three, Sue, Justin Houston, Eric Berry, can all help teams. Let's, let's discuss. Is there a place where you think these guys could go? Because I think with Sue, the thing we keep saying is give him the one-year deal. Give him 500, 600 snaps. Let him rush the passer. Let him dominate against the run. And he could, you know, help a team on a Super Bowl run. The problem is all the teams that have all the cap space aren't really the teams that are looking for a one-year rental of a Sioux, except maybe the two teams at the top, the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans, as far as cap space goes. Yeah, I don't see the Texans making it happen because of the guys they already have on that defensive right. line. Houston, or uh, Indianapolis could do. Um, they have enough money where I think they're planning on using it to lock down all of their own players long-term. But I think they have more than enough left to spend on Sue if they wanted that one-year rental. How much does he not strike you as the perfect um, John Gruden checkout impulse purchase, though? Ooh, Sue. Another Snickers bar. Right. I remember back when I did a you know, Monday night game, he played really well. Sign him. Yeah, so it's like so the Raiders have been shopping around. They're like, we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding. We're getting rid of Khalil Mack getting rid of Amari Cooper, we're building draft picks, we're building for the future. They're going around the grocery store, getting all the healthy food, They're getting right. all the good stuff. They, st- they tell you to go around the edges of the grocery store. Don't go down the aisles. That's where all the fake food is, right? 
get all the vegetables, get all the fruits, they get all the good stuff. But then the checkout aisle, there's an Antonio Brown, there's a Trent Brown, and you're saying there's a Sue there too that they might jump on? Yeah. The, so there's a few sort of theories floating around at the moment that John Gruden is this mastermind genius that's executing like the world's best game plan. You know, we, we trade away Khalil Mack. That was a move that analytics generally loved. You know, as much as everyone's like, you don't trade away uh, transcendent talents like that, the analytics actually says you're better off doing it, getting cheaper, getting the draft picks, you know, building all this if draft you're building capital. Long term, right? So this is this 10 year Gruden contract, the big rebuild project. We're doing this whole thing from scratch. You trade away Khalil Mack, you trade away Amari Cooper, you amass all these first round draft picks over the next couple of years. Then. You snag your new quarterback, you kick Derek Carr to the curb, get cheaper there as well. And that part all makes sense. But it's like the it's like the general plan is this big rebuild. But then every now and again, John Gruden sees an infomercial for a guy that he saw play a couple of years ago. It's like, well, we gotta get that guy. I mean, how could you not? Antonio Brown. I mean, at Trent that Brown. price I can't afford to leave him. Tyrell Williams. Right. So it's like an agent's going to pick up the phone and be like, you could have Ndamukong Sue on your defensive line for just $10 million a year. And he's going to be like, I mean, it's, it's a bargain. Oh, man. For a year, it's really tough to say, okay, Raiders, go, go do it this year. I, I do like what Mike Mayock said about how they did fill their, fill, try to fill their offensive holes, whether they overpaid or not, fill their offensive holes, and they've got all these defensive holes that they're most likely going to end up filling in the draft. That's where the strength of the draft is. Sue does feel like the impulse purchase, but I think, I think Mayock has enough sense. If he has enough him. control. Here's what I think it is, right? What do you think, though? John Gruden, I, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, right? Because I do the same thing. If I watch enough TV for it to be a problem. John Gruden is the guy that's sitting there. He's watching TV. He's, you know, minding the finances, right? He's like, I'm saving for, I don't know, whatever it is. I'm saving for a houseboat, Right. Minding all the money, keeping it in the bank, but then he's watching TV, and then the infomercial comes on for that stainless steel frying pan that you can't scratch. It's like, wow! I mean, I've scratched the hell out of all my pans for for twenty nine ninety five. I can get three of them all the time. Right? I need, I need frying pans. And then he dials up, credit card is out, and he's buying those things. So in Dominican Sue, as seen on TV, you can have them for just one year. Right. $9 million. And while they're on the phone, they'll be like, and if you spend twice that i can get you sue and whoever the next guy on my depth chart is that i'm trying to get it so why don't the raiders just fill their defensive holes and just get sue eric berry and justin houston so this is what i think happens just just go down our free agent he's got this long-term saving plan he wants to build up the raiders there's a big rebuild going and then he sees an infomercial for a guy that he can't turn down i remember when he dominated this game i commentated on a couple years ago and now he's available for a knockdown cheap price john the money back guarantee we went from shopping at the grocery store buying Snickers to now as seen on TV. That's what I think it is. It's infomercials. Okay. It's, it's infomercials while he's sitting there trying to save long term. Everybody jokes about the, the anti-analytic speech that he had a couple of years ago. So I, there's, the truth is somewhere in between here, right? I don't think that he's mastermind genius behind the scenes building this thing. Yeah. He's also not like literally trying to rebuild 1998. No. He's I mean, not. never was. Even, right. I mean, even in that 1998 speech. Like, if you read the entirety of the thing, it was, it was more nuanced than that one line. Yeah, but the one like line like, was what got took out of it. I mean, the day... Can I, how, I don't know how much we can reveal on this. I mean, like, the day after he gave that speech, you know, we saw him out and about around Indianapolis, and he's, you know, like, hey, love these PFF guys. Love you guys. Yeah. You know, he came up and, and said hello. But we I mean, were all even, out to dinner, and he dropped in and said hello, and how much he loves us. Even in that speech, he was referencing, you know, a bunch of data and all that kind of stuff. It was just right. that was the line that everybody took out of it. Right. So the answer's somewhere in between. Uh, anyway, let's get back to who's going to sign Sue, because I'm looking. Raiders. I, I think the Colts would be, I don't think they're going to. Whatever. So who else takes a shot at this? I'm already done. I'm, he's gone to Sue. There's no way Gruden turns down that kind of bargain impulse purchase. Cowboys? What about the Cowboys? By all means, make a case for a team you want. I, he's already going to the Raiders. I'm going to say the Cowboys should make a play for Sue. Okay. They've been looking for that. You know, you've got David Irving with, had all his issues. They've had this rotating three-technique position over the last couple of years. You have Demarcus Lawrence on the outside. You get Sue pushing the pocket from the middle. Let him be the interior rusher. They've got about $21 million in cap space. It's not ideal, but it's doable. Yeah. 
Uh, they were looking at Eric Berry as well, right? Berry's taking a visit to the Dallas Cowboys. I love what they've done in their secondary. I do think Berry would actually be a pretty nice addition. You get Xavier Woods, play some free safety there. I uh, love the way the, the cornerbacks are emerging there uh, in Dallas and what they've done just in their entire back seven. Pretty much a homegrown back seven that is developing to one of the best in the league, especially with the linebacker speed that they have. Byron Jones at corner, Cheetah Bay Awuzier and uh, Jordan Lewis, all those guys that they have back there, I think they can cover um, among the better teams in the league. I think Eric Berry would be a pretty solid addition there if he's got something left. I'd like to see Eric Berry wind up in Seattle and that defense. You know, Legion of Boom really? is now entirely dismantled. They're left with Bobby Wagner and then the guys that replace the Legion of Boom. Eric Berry, I think, would f- slide into that defense and make a really nice impact. Berry to Seattle, huh? What about the Cleveland Browns? It makes sense there as well. They just traded, um, just traded Jabril Peppers. Yeah. That could be a place. And they still have $36 million in cap space. I don't know how you don't want to go completely all in for one year if you're the Browns. Right? I don't you're know building. what Eric cost would be anymore given how big the injury concerns. And, he would know, fill a hole of, there and they're a potential, potential playoff team. And then Justin Houston. Let's discuss Justin Houston. You've got your rent-to-pass rusher essentially here. I think the Colts again make a ton of sense, right? Sure. Um, the New York Jets have a ton of money, but you know they're in rebuilding mode. And always need an edge rusher. The 49ers, I think, I'm just going down the guys that have cap space here. The 49ers have a ton of cap space, but they're probably drafting Nick Bosa if he's available, pairing him with D. Ford, who they just put a lot of investment into. The Bills are in rebuild mode. The Browns are there again, but they just invested a ton in the defensive line. Bengals, Raiders, Dolphins, Cardinals... A lot of rebuilds here. Lions just invested in Trey Flowers. Do you get a Justin Houston opposite him? It's the Raiders again, isn't it? The Raiders are getting Justin Houston. <laughs> oh, as seen on TV, Justin Houston. Man, I remember that time that guy. Love that guy. Got 22 sacks. 22 sacks that guy got. All an agent needs to do. We can get do. eight out Call of Call up the phone. Say, for the low price of $12 million. Hey, John. Just for one year. You, too, could have an edge rusher. You're not even tied to him. That dominates. Just go one year at a time. How about the Ravens? Ravens? Yeah. I think they're done in free agency, though. Right. But the Ravens need some help on the, you know, they, they, Terrell Suggs walks. Justin Houston. Yeah. One year rental. How about the Bears? The Bears. The Bears. Pair Justin Houston with Khalil Mack. I think Leonard Floyd still okay. never really developed. Yeah. The way people wanted. So... Do you have a Justin Houston landing spot besides the Raiders? You can't say the Raiders for everything. Just those two. I'm not giving Eric Eric Berry. So profootballfocus.com, PFF's top three free agents, Ndamukong Sue, Justin Houston, Eric Berry. You're going to say two of them go to the Oakland Raiders in their rebuild. Well, yeah, I'm going to say maybe not both together, but I definitely grew in signing one of them. Okay. That's the kind of infomercial purchase you can't afford to turn down. Can't afford to turn it down. All right. So that's where we think those guys are going. Uh, is that the bow on free agency? Are we done with free agency yet? We'll Probably. discuss more news as it comes. Uh, other news that happened this weekend, we got Fitzmagic going to the Miami Dolphins. I think that's uh, the perfect bridge quarterback for the next couple of years. Is it, though? We've got, we've, we have a Dolphins question that comes up. We'll, we'll hit that when the Dolphins question, because we took some questions on Twitter. We'll hit that when we... When we get there, Eric Flowers signs a one-year deal with the Washington Redskins. The most consequential thing of which is that he canceled out a compensatory pick that they were going to receive. Are we, are we going too far with the compensatory pick stuff? No, Did not you when it's Eric Flowers. Okay, not in this one. But it seems like this is one of those things where every time a signing happens, because people just got smart to compensatory picks in our little Twitter world over the last couple of years, Every time there's a signing, everybody wants to announce how smart they are. And it's like, well, that cancels out a three. Well, that cancels out a six. Everybody wants to show their uh, compensatory pick smarts. The compensatory pick's been there forever. Mm-hmm. And yes, the best teams generally take advantage of it. But it also doesn't mean you should never sign a free agent. No. This is not. independent of an Eric Flowers It, it means you should button. never sign an Eric Flowers, though. Now, when you're signing Eric Flowers to a one-year $4 million contract, I believe it was, and it's... In isolation, it's like, all right, let's try him out. He's a swing tackle or whatever it is. Fine. 
But if it does cancel out a four and you're essentially giving up a potential four to get him, that makes it a worse move when yes. you know that. I do think people are going a little too far with the Yeah, they're not everything, but you need to understand what what's happening. You need to every move you make, you should be aware of the ramifications when it comes to compensatory picks. And if you want to say, okay, where well, it's worth doing anyway, fine. But to act like they don't exist is silly. Oh, I agree. I just think we've are the people we follow, I think have pivoted the other way. Where it's everything. Like don't sign anybody. Own this compensatory pick process. Um, which the good teams do take advantage of. And then Ronald Darby re-signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. We said, as soon as we start lift- listing our top five, that he'll sign. Yeah. And there he was. Pretty quickly afterwards. Which is interesting because it was a one-year deal. Uh, it's one of those deals that suggests there was no real marketplace for him. Right. Um, and he was one of our top free agents the whole way. Obviously, there have been some injury concerns with him. Maybe those are more severe than... You know, we, we, we have information on, but that's potentially huge for the Eagles because he was a big member of their secondary, uh, an important part of that team when it was good. So the Eagles have kind of done a nice job of retaining some players that had they lost all of them, it would have been a real issue. You know, right. losing Brandon Graham, losing Ronald Darby. They got a lot of pieces potentially walking out of that building, and most of them are coming back. Yeah, I like what the Eagles have done. I like, we've talked a lot about the Deshaun Jackson move and just, you know, when you, I'm all about taking guys that have done it before who may have some of those question marks like a Ronald Darby and see what they can do on the one-year deal. You want to answer some of our uh, questions? Sure. All right. We asked for questions last night. We delayed the podcast a little bit because we had the three full podcasts last week. Gave, the, gave a little news time to, uh, to break. And we got an Eric Flowers breaking news. That was wow. well worth it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We saved the podcast today so we could discuss Eric Flowers. Perfect. Below average offensive tackle to the Redskins. Yeah. And then we had to fill time with questions. Okay. So what do you got? And we'll hit up the draft later in the week. You're excited about that. Is, uh, all right, let's just go through it. Is Blake Bortles the top head coaching candidate next year now that he's met Sean McVay? No. No. No, because Zach Robinson is. Right. Right. Zach knew Sean first. Mm-hmm. With the Vikings signing Anthony Barr, are the only realistic options in the draft Reisner or Ford at 18? I mean, I don't think so. No, I mean, look, if you go into the draft saying, all right, we're going to draft an offensive lineman. Which they do need to do. Which is fine if they want to draft an offensive lineman. But if you go in short-sighted and say Derwin James falls to 18, a Derwin James hypothetically falls to 18, I sure hope you're not like, man, I got to fill that right tackle depth chart spot. No. With Dalton I mean, Reisner, I'm going to pass on Derwin James. That's not how you draft. Free agency is all about putting yourself in a position to not have to take a specific player in the draft. The best teams fill holes in free agency to the point where they're not looking at the draft saying, if we don't come away with a left corner, we're screwed. Right. So the Vikings haven't done that because they have one guard under contract and he's terrible. So they actually do need to sign guards at this point. Now, there's still some out there in free agency. It's not we have to draft them. But they're in a position where they basically need to come out of this draft with a couple of starting linemen, which is not ideal. But it doesn't have to be in the first round necessarily. Right. They're going to be leaning in that direction. But should the right player fall to where they are, you would hope they wouldn't pass them up because they have to take a guard that's going to be starting. I mean, yeah. as much as you do need a left guard, left guard is the inconsequential position in football therefore you shouldn't be passing up a potential yeah. game changer at a different position to secure that guy all i urge fans is to not go into draft saying all right here's what we're going to do first round left guard second round defensive tackle third round linebacker i mean if you just go in right. with that mentality you're going to miss out on good players now reisner or ford at, at 18 i don't think that either would be a bad pick for the vikings but, you know, I think if, like, a DeAndre Baker's there, you know, if a great corner's there, no, despite what you have on your roster, you, you pull the trigger on, the, good, on the, the best player. Right. Now, the fact that the Vikings have put themselves in a position where they do kind of need to draft certain positions is bad in and of itself. That, but that's a different... That uh, was the Houston Texans last year, and then they didn't even have a pick until the third round. Yeah. They went in with just no offensive linemen. Knowing, yeah, we got to take a couple shots on some mid-round offensive linemen and you know Martinez Rankin and guys that aren't going to be able to come in and start. It's not an ideal position, and the offensive line was not great for Houston last very, year. So very not great. Uh, will the Giants draft another lineman in the first round? Defensive lineman? 
I mean, I mean they so need both. The rumors for the Giants, strong rumors, that it's Montez Sweat, that they're all over at six. And Daniel Jones at 17. Okay. Now, for whatever it's worth, I mean, last year at this time, Browns fans were like, just draft Saquon Barkley and take any quarterback at four. Who cares? Which is just the most asinine line of thought ever. But if the Giants are really all about Montez Sweat, who was a good, not great pass rusher with freaky athleticism, and then Daniel Jones, who's essentially a late second, third round type of quarterback at 17, I don't think that's the ideal scenario for the Giants. That's all I'll say. No. Um, and Gettleman has come out and said that he's a real admirer of the, the Kansas City model, i.e. the idea that you're rookie quarterback doesn't play as a rookie he sits and learns and year two becomes Patrick Mahomes and throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns I mean, I'm a big fan of so that too yeah That's so how I would build a team whatever they're doing with a quarterback and it does at least sound like they acknowledge that they need one um yeah they said they'll probably come out he's not playing year team. one so what's interesting is whether that puts you in a position of chasing a project more like knowing that this guy's going to sit for a year, I don't need him to play week one. Do you look at a guy who potentially has more upside because the ceiling is higher and you know you don't need to put him out there year one where he's going to be bad? Or do you take the guy who's just better right now because he'll probably be better in a year's time as well? Well, now, we think we know the answer to that, which is you take the better guy because he has more upside because he's better. The Giants in this position... Are probably going to take six foot five Daniel Jones. I mean, I honestly don't know what the answer is because I don't think collectively any of us know what the impact of sitting for a year is because it's there's no it's it's well, not a clean Did, there's no sample size of that right. We're dealing with like random outliers either direction here and there. So right, there's no way of there's no way of quantifying. If I can take a quarterback, is it better to sit him for a year or is it better to throw him in there week one? Which is better? Where nobody Carson has any Palmer. idea. Carson Palmer, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Tom Brady sat, but the guys that like Culpepper, were drafted to sit, but they were drafted to sit. Carson Palmer, Aaron Rodgers, did Culpepper? I think Culpepper sat for Back a year, Back in 99, right? Dante Culpepper, Patrick Mahomes. These guys were essentially drafted to sit and they had success. Now, did they have success because they sat or because they just happened to be good quarterbacks? So then you've got a group of guys that were drafted to sit, but didn't. So Blake Bortles was drafted to sit, got thrown in like week Four three. Four weeks. Right. Three weeks, whatever it was. Jared Goff, week 10, right. was in. There's a bunch of those guys that were, in theory, drafted to sit and Mitch never Trubisky. made it that far. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't mind the patience of letting a guy sit. I don't mind doing it, but it just, even in those have gone history, either way. nobody has it. But even those have gone either way, right? Like Blake Bortles came in, was drafted to sit, thrown in right away, went bad, good, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield was drafted to sit. He was sitting behind Tyrod Taylor. Lasted three Again, weeks. lasted three weeks, came in, had like rookie records. Right. So there's just no way of knowing. So I, I don't... Well, it comes down to probably finding the better right. quarterback with the best track But there's a lot of things... Of there's a lot of these things where I think the analytics and all the data and all basically everything points in one direction, says this is the right move, this is the wrong move, you're an idiot if you do this, right? Yep. This is one of those ones where I don't know that there is a definitive right answer yet. I would suggest the chances are higher if you're taking the better guy right now that he will be the better guy in a year's time. But I can see the case for taking a guy that you think has better upside because you have a year to develop him. So Patrick Mahomes is probably a good example, right? Patrick Mahomes coming out, I I think there's a lot of revisionist history going on about Patrick Mahomes right now because the special plays he made in college were spectacular. He's doing the same thing now. So you look at him and say, wait, you're an idiot if you didn't have him as your number one quarterback. He was amazing. Sure. Having said that, he also did almost everything outside of the structure of the offense. And who the hell knows how that was going to translate to within a structure of an offense. And also, who knows how much sitting behind Alex Smith for a year aided that process. Those are all unknown quantities that I think people are attributing a specific value to right now and acting like if you didn't know it, a year and a half ago, you were dumb. But Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example of a guy whose upside was insane. Like, even Patrick Mahomes' detractors coming out of the draft would have said, this guy's potential is, is crazy. But all the stuff he's doing, I have no idea whether that translates or not. 
So Patrick Mahomes is like your ideal scenario. Sits, realizes this potential, eradicates the stuff that was concerning, and you've got an MVP caliber quarterback. He was he was also at a higher level of play. I mean, he's not Daniel Jones. Never said he was. I'm, I'm just trying to explain this to people who might be thinking that any quarterback that has a pretty good arm is the guy with upside. Mahomes was a 90-plus PFF grade guy. Uh, George and Eric have run some very interesting numbers using our advanced ball location data and essentially said, okay, what is the expectation that these passes are completed based off the accuracy accuracy data and across you know the league? Mm-hmm. And going back, using all of our data back to the 2015 season, so the 2016 NFL draft class, 2016 NFL draft class, the top three as far as hitting throws above expectations down the field, right? Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes. Those are the three guys. So I think, I think the, there was information there. And this is what I've always said about PFF data. I think there's information there that's beyond just the grade. This guy was a 90, this guy was a 92, this guy was an 88. And you don't just stack them that way. There's information there that is most important for translating to the next level. And we're finding more and more of it as we go. That was one of those things. So I don't know if it's complete revisionist history. A lot of people did love Patrick Mahomes coming out. When we put our board together, we were very close between Trubisky, Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. Many people internally, including Zach and others, wanted Mahomes as our number one quarterback. We ended up putting Trubisky as our number one quarterback. But the narrative on all three was you put them in the right situation, they, they, can, they can succeed. Uh, and they, Mahomes went to the best situation out of all of them. I think Watson went to the second best situation out of all of them, going to Houston to the Houston Texans. Trubisky went to a situation in Chicago, which looked like it was pretty good based off how Dowell Loggins and the offensive coordinator ran the offense the previous year, and then Trubisky's rookie year, it was terrible. And now he's in a great situation. So I think you're seeing success from all three quarterbacks, in part because they all went to really good situations, much like Carson Wentz went to a great situation with the Philadelphia Eagles, and Jared Goff got thrust into a nice situation with the Rams. Eventually. In year two. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that, that's just my, my take on that. So, I agree. I don't know what you, what you do as far as waiting and letting a guy sit and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess for the Giants, my point would be you've got to assume, well, the current line of thinking is that Kyle Murray is going number one, right? So, the Giants aren't in the Kyle Murray sweepstakes, which means... I mean, in our world, though, you would try to do whatever you could to package to, to go get it. Whatever. They're not going to do that. So let's take Kyler Murray Fine. off the board and forget that. So you're now talking about Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones, apparently. Will Greer. Right. They're not going to be, though. They're going to be talking about Haskins, Drew Locke. Big strong-armed guys. And Daniel Jones. Yeah. So the question would be, in our world, Haskins is clear number two of that group? He's number two, yeah. Right. The better quarterback, ostensibly, right now. For the Giants, though, if you have this idea of if he sits and therefore how he's going to play right now doesn't matter as much as where he's going to be in a year's time, I wonder if Drew Locke makes more sense because he's a guy that's shown this developmental history, gotten better every single year. Um, There's still a lot of room to get better. He's just still behind the other guys from an accuracy standpoint. But this stuff has gotten better. We've seen him get better. Uh, so it, the, so that's my question for them is do they take a Haskins and just say, well, okay, he's sitting for a year. Let's see how that works out. Or do they go, well, he's sitting for a year, so we have a year to get this guy better. Let's take a Drew Locke who's getting better every single year of his career, and in a year's time he'll be better than Haskins. Yeah, They feel like he's more moldable. I mean, I could see them looking at Daniel Jones as the most moldable guy <laughs> because he's uh, a redshirt junior. Yeah, they could do that too. He's played three years. Um, he struggled as a redshirt freshman. He was okay. Richard freshman and sophomore was better last year, so he's shown a developmental curve, much like um, Drew Locke has. However, I would say his development developmental curve scarily is a little bit like Paxton Lynch, where Paxton Lynch did get better every year. There are some similarities there, I think, between Paxton and Daniel Jones. That's not encouraging. Yeah, I think Jones probably a tick better as a prospect. So um, we'll see what the uh, Giants end up doing, but I think. The idea that they run with Eli this year and develop a QB, I mean, it's not the worst plan in the world. I think out of all those options, though, I'd still try to 
try to go get Josh Rosen. Not a ringing endorsement of uh, Kyle Laletta that they're like, oh, yeah, we need a quarterback. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a fourth rounder last year. Right. Even though we liked him, we saw a lot of good things. I mean, he didn't look great. But clearly, I mean, it's just, you know, of all the things to come out of the Gettleman media tour. I mean, you can basically yeah, throw, but, I mean, throw a nail in the coffin of But if you're Laletta's. looking for a QB, like Kyle Laletta is not going to keep me from looking for the next one. Just like last well, year at this time, people were like, oh, we'll find out how much they love Davis Webb. It's like but he would if Davis he was Webb actually, shouldn't be keeping them from looking at Sam Darnold. They would if they were good, though. I mean, if you had Russell Wilson, he was your fourth-round quarterback. If you knew, but you— Right. Yeah, but you, He would he keep played. you from it because it would be immediately evident that he's not a fourth-round quarterback. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Dolphins, are they in full tank mode? Should they trade future draft capital to go, to go get Kyler Murray or Haskins this year or wait and chance it in 2020 or 2021? So, I mean, they're in fairly substantial tank mode, right? You're not signing Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starting quarterback if you have designs on contending this year? No, I think they are in full tank mode. And this is where a lot of the, um, the people in the analytics community perhaps are discussing are too many teams doing this whole cleveland browns tank deal because it looks like the bengals might be in that mode the dolphins might be in that mode the thing is i don't the entire know entire afc east is in that mode can it, i don't know if any teams are good at doing it it's like so let's say you're brian fitzpatrick is your perfect tank quarterback right because he's going to come in like last year he's going to play two games at 90 and then he's going to implode in spectacular fashion. Yeah. And the next, like, eight games will be disastrous. Well, if he has nobody to throw to, he won't even have those good games. He'll be just Whatever. bad. You might get a couple of games of high peak yeah, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then everything else will be a train wreck. And by the end of the season, that'll shake out to a 2-14 and 14 record, and you'll probably have the number one pick in the draft. But what happens is teams get eight games into the skid, and they're like, we've got to do something. We make a change at quarterback. They put in a guy who's better, and now they win four games. It's like, worse. damn it. They instinctively try to win. Right. It's tough to do. So I, it's like they have, again, it's like they have this long overarching tank game plan, but then they choke halfway through the season. It's like, we need to actually start winning some games, otherwise people are getting fired here. So, well, that's the tough part. And then part they too. take themselves out of consideration. So here's the thing. I think if you could go get a Kyler Murray, if you somehow could get Kyler Murray, you take it, and you start, you start the rebuilds there. If you have to tank for next year, if you're going to be a top five pick next year, you have a Justin Herbert from Oregon who still has some developing to do. You have Tua Tagovailoa, who I like a lot. I have some questions about his high-level arm strength and all that stuff if he truly is an elite prospect. If you have to tank for two years, that's the goldmine. That's Trevor Lawrence. The two-year tank pr- program, I don't know if the Bengals are trying to do it. I don't know if the Dolphins are trying to do it. But if there's a team that stays dedicated to getting that number one pick in 2021... I feel really good about Trevor Lawrence really being the best QB prospect in a while. What if he goes backwards in the next year or two? I mean, he could. I mean, there's obviously, there's I just find it kind of funny that he's like nailed on as being the greatest prospect to come along in a decade, and we've seen him for one freshman year. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's always risk with that stuff. I mean, Josh Rosen had his first... Josh Rosen had one of the best true freshman debuts I've ever seen. Yeah. He absolutely tore apart Virginia, looked the part of future first-round pick, for future number one overall pick, his and then the next year. week against like an FCS team looked terrible. Yeah. So his, I, his I freshman year was so unbelievably overblown. It was, because like, it was honestly, his debut was spectacular. Right. And then and after was, that was just up then and down. Overall, he was like good for a freshman, but not actually good. Right. And then Trevor the Lawrence was, was one of the best quarterbacks right. in the nation last year as a true freshman. Then the thing with Rosen is he didn't really get any better from that season. So it's like you had a guy who was good for a freshman and then didn't get any better than that for th- two years. He didn't. And so, now you're just, I mean, he's okay. So I get it. I understand. I thought Jameis Winston looked the part of future number one overall pick straight from the get-go, his redshirt freshman year, and he was. I mean, I think Andrew Luck right from the get-go looked like future number one overall pick. I mean, so, I mean, it goes, it goes both ways, but you know, I feel pretty good about Trevor Lawrence in 2021 as a prospect. I wouldn't hate a team that truly built their team around like let's go get this dude in 2021 it's risky because you have to be the worst team two years from now it's very difficult to do you have to be the worst team in two years from now and hope that you were right two years before you actually needed the evaluation on a guy based essentially off his freshman tape yeah which feels like quite a bad way of strategizing so but doing that is so like if you're tanking for next year and you love justin herbert and you love tua 
right? You don't want to do this in a situation where there's just one guy you're going to get. You, I mean, maybe there's one guy, but there's other guys. This is why, by the way, this whole strategy generally is almost certainly never actually taking place because nobody has gotten full evaluations on next year's quarterback class right now. I do think nobody's done it. Forward thinking teams, and now teams have the PFF database, right? Mm-hmm. Almost every team has our college database, and you can at least get a head start knowing who's good. I mean, they could have done it all the and, time. And plan, they just you know, don't. I know they could have, but I don't but know. But the point is, no. so you hear this every year. It's like, oh, if this guy had just gone back to school, he'd be the number one overall pick. Or if he'd come out last year, he'd have been the number one overall pick. And typically the answer is no, he wouldn't have, because at that point they'd have started the evaluation on him then, and they'd have found all the problems they found with him this time. It's just that at the time you were saying that, Nobody had done the homework on him, so he was the number one overall pick, presumptively. They just don't – you don't do the homework on these guys to that level, to that extent, before you need to. So nobody is like – nobody has done the the entirety of the work on the 2020 draft class of quarterbacks. Are you dying? Choking. Yeah? Yeah. Tough joke over here. Huh. Thanks, Matt. That'll lead to an interesting podcast if you die on the air. Kill sometime. Yeah. So anyway, teams just are not doing that level of in-depth homework on the next year's draft class. Because they're so far behind this year's draft class just getting to the point where they're able to do it. I'm better. Cool. I think smart teams would be doing it. (laughs) I don't know what would come of it. You don't sound that much better? I think I got coffee grinds. In your throat. Just inhaled. Huh. Okay. We're back. Are we live? Yeah. God, that was bad. Mm. Can we handle one more question? <laughs> no, well, I can. I don't know if you can. <clears throat> this is that podcast. I'm not getting the call for the baby, but I'm just leaving. Yeah. And you shut it down. Uh-huh. God, what a way to go. You get taken out by coffee? Yeah, that's so a I think, weak story <clears throat> to have to tell your family. Because I make my French press yeah. coffee. So you get a lot of... It's the strong stuff. Uh-huh. So you get a lot of grinds in there. I wasn't even taking it. I haven't even had a sip in a while, but there's some <laughs> some grinds going Just down saying, my throat that I'm choking on. There's like, here. you know, there's heroic tales to tell a family of a, a, a man that's just been lost. You know, he died saving children from a burning building. No, the 6'10", 270 pounder went to uh, coffee grind. 270? High, high 270s. 6'10". <laughs> All right, I'm 6'9", 280. <laughs> I'm 6'8 and a half, 280. All right? 280? Some days. <laughs> yeah, you got taken out by coffee. Water weight fluctuates. I'm between... Kelly's not listening. Does she listen to the podcast? I don't know. We'll find out. I don't want her to know how heavy I am. <laughs> Harry just started to learn how to... Um, Fat shame you? Say numbers. Oh. Right? So like he'll see me weigh myself, uh-huh. and he's like forty. He's like, oh look, four zero. So he's like, Dad, what was yours? I'm like, oh, two hundred, son, two hundred. <laughs> Just so he's not like two eight zero. Wow. And she's in the other room, like what? Yeah, fatty. I'm just saying, getting taken. A man of your dimensions being taken out by coffee would be a pretty terrible way to go. It would be six ten two sixty is what I'm listed at <laughs> online. Yeah, as in my. We need to. I need to. <clears throat> I found your baseball card. I need to bring it in, get you to sign it. Yeah, you don't want me to ruin it. I mean, it's in plastic. It's oh yeah, you sign the plastic. That's good. Did you see they're raising minor league salary? No. So you know, it's been big point of contention for a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. Below uh, below poverty level wages in the minor leagues. How much are they raising it by? Um, there's just rumors about it. The Toronto Blue Jays are the first team to go up. I think they're going uh, one and a half times what they were making before, maybe double. Okay. So they're increasing it quite a bit. Um, so I just think in my contract negotiations too, this is just. You know, something else to kind of use against Neil in uh, negotiations. I yeah. go back to playing minor league baseball. I mean, I can go back to playing major league baseball. I could just do that. Yeah. Minimum wage is like five. Well, you should do that thousand. because you still have the, the bonus. I do. My Spalding contract. Right. My Spalding glove contract. If I win the Cy Young, mm-hmm. 2500 bucks. Right. Right there. Straight I mean, cash. That, that's, that's, that's written down. That's in black and white. Yeah. MVP was like four grand or something. Wow. MVP. Which that stuff more, was actually written into my contract. Which is more likely? Oh, there was... Well, Cy Young's more likely. Yes, yeah, Cy Young's okay. more likely. Okay. 
uh, asteroid hitting the Earth is also more likely than me winning the Cy Young or the MVP. Well, okay. Still, at least you have a chance. I do. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, two questions about the Colts. Nicholas Balfour, big fan of ours, tweets at us quite a bit. Okay. Uh, Colts, $75 million in cap space. What do they do with the money? And someone else asked Andrew Fisher from at Colts. Fisher says, what, who are the best free agent edge candidates for the Colts? I think we already answered this. I think Justin Houston. The Colts are in. They have all this money. Even if they're going to spend it on all their homegrown talent, stealing a Justin Houston for a year or two, not the worst thing in the world. Yes. Get him rushing the passer. And, you know, they're right in the thick of the AFC South in playoff race. So I think that'd be a good fit. There's some interesting free agents still available in terms of edge rushes, though. Um, Vinny Curry had that one disastrous year with Tampa Bay yeah, just, when he was supposed to come in and be the starter. They got kicked to the curb. He's 30, by the way, now. Like It seems like he was only drafted a few years ago. I know. He was a little um, older. So he's... He's available. He could potentially be one of those. Again, you scale back. You don't expect him to start. You scale back the snaps. You make him a rotation body. He could bring some heat. Um, I think the same thing is true for a guy like Aaron Lynch, Bruce Irvin. I think those guys can still get pressure. Both still free agents. Yep. If you want Adrian Claiborne, his one pass rush move. If you've got some bad tackles in your schedule, you bring in Adrian Claiborne and have a couple of big greens. games. Right. Um, and Shane Ray being the big reclamation project. Yeah, never really became the player Denver was, thought he would be. He was one of those guys who could only kind of win to the outside. Didn't right. really turn the corner all that well, but he had some flashes. But if if you're looking at this sort of free agent group and saying right, they're almost all old, proven problem, blah blah blah. This is the one 25 year old guy that might actually still have upside. Yeah, there. yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they go Colt, go grab some some edge rushers. That'll do it. What happened? Donald Penn got released. By the Oakland Raiders. Poor Donald. He's still got plenty to, plenty of football left. It's like 36, though, isn't he? Yeah, but Coming I mean, off a busted whatever leg, ankle. Yeah, after playing right tackle. Right. I'm all oh, yeah, about... Was it? Was it? I don't mind moving guys from left right, left to right tackle, but not like 12 years into what the What did league. he pop? Was it an Achilles? Are you breaking Mike, Tr- Mike Trout money right now? Is that a real number, Matt? Yeah. Mike Trout. You know who Mike Trout is? Yeah. It's like the best baseball player since Babe Ruth. Right. He's going to wind up going to the Phillies along with uh, Bryce Harper in a he's, couple of years. He's not. He is. He's going to re-sign for 12 years, $430 million. That's breaking news here on the PFF NFL podcast. Whatever. I have my sources. 12 years, $430 million. I was just hoping to make 3000 a month in uh, minor league baseball as a minor league free. Is he another player whose contract is going to be finished before Bobby Benilla's? Yeah. Sweet. Benia's still going to be making that money. But Mike Trout's going to make $430 million, not this million a year that Benia's making until 2050 or whatever it is. Well, yeah, but he's got to actually play to earn that, whereas Benia's he does. sitting on the couch. Man, good for you, Mike Trout. I think he was a really good football player, too, just to tie it all together. All right, that'll do it. What else you got? You got no, I was just checking what actually, yeah, what, what his injury was. Groin injury, apparently. Yeah. I mean, Donald Penn, if you need a... But the funny thing about that was there were a bunch Texans. of people... There were, there were people on Twitter that were actually putting the groin injury down to moving sides of the line. No, oh, I'm not getting into the O-line Twitter stuff. I'm not. Uh, like defensive linemen switch where they rush from every single snap. But, you know, O-linemen can't even can't do anything well, that, I mean, on yeah, different sides. They do. Like, they go side to side regularly. It's not like they spend 12 years of their life going from one side and then to move to the other. That was their thing. It was like the, the logic was that 12 years of lining up in this thing wired your body in a certain way. So when you move to the other side, your groin just snaps in half. Plus you're old and sometimes injuries happen. I mean, that may be a more... It's back to this whole analytics thing, right? You just play the percentages. That's probably... Occam's razor is probably more likely that a 36-year-old guy is just going to tear something. Occam's razor feels like the, the stuff that we argue all the time. Yeah. It just all comes back down to that. People are like, oh, here's this threshold. Here's this, you know, every time you give the running back just 25 carries, this happens. And it's like, no, it's just because you're winning the game. Yeah. And you gave him more carries. Really? It all I comes mean, down to just like a little bit of logic. People really just never apply Occam's razor to what they're trying to achieve. Like Which is, again, explain Occam's razor. Just what is the more likely thing to actually... That's analytics. What's, What's the, the more, more likely, likely explanation what it is you're looking at? Analytics 
is just the, this constant what is the more likely reason for this stuff to happen. I'm sure there's a technical actually explanation, Docs and Fraser, that's more sensible than the thing I said. Anyway. The principle states that one should not make more assumptions than the minimum needed. The principle is often called the the principle of parsimony. It underlies all scientific modeling and theory building. So basically, just don't make any more assumptions than what you need to explain what the hell is happening. Well, I saw people tweeting out, like, it's the most likely thing to have... To explain it, like in, in college football, there somebody tweeted out recently: when you the team that scores first win six win sixty five percent of the time. So that either means you could be a coach and be like, "All right, guys, we got to we got to score first, then we'll score, though we'll win sixty five percent of the time," or the best teams just score first most of the time, yeah, and they score more often, mm-hmm. and they win most of the time, yeah, because they're better, yes, right. So just just understand where the stuff comes from. Really, when you have a theory of anything related to football, you should simply ask yourself. Is that the most likely explanation for the data set you're looking at? Or is another something way more likely? Or is it because it has something to do with one team being better than the other? Because that's probably the answer like 80% of the time. I mean, it's not. Occam's razor isn't flawless. Like other, sometimes the more less likely thing is actually the explanation. But, you know, you should probably start with the principle that it isn't. Yeah, agreed. All right. That'll do it for us. Uh, Go check out. I just wrote the definitive Kyler Murray piece. Why he's the top player on the PFF draft board. Just Fresh off the presses, profootballfocus.com. Go okay. check it out. And uh, we'll circle back here later in the week. Sam will be filling in for Mike to do some draft discussion. Can't wait. Uh, until then, get to PFF and check out Edge or Elite NFL 2019. Use your promo code for 25% off for the rest of the week. All right, guys. We'll see you on Thursday or Friday. quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can re-watch it after the fact i'm gonna be going back and you guys can too go check out lamar jackson in week one go check out dak prescott and what that cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.